0: This is a Timit podcast. This podcast is part of the series On the Marge. The title of this episode is Just Deserted. Just Deserted. Sometimes people get what they deserve, but just don't see it coming. It's often quite obvious to everyone else but occasionally no one else sees it coming either i sure didn't mark moved to yukon from toronto he was an engineer and had landed a job with community services he purchased a house but needed a place to stay for a month until the deal closed that's how he ended up staying at our walnut crescent bed and breakfast mark asked about things to see and do in whitehorse on our advice in his first week with us he went to the farmers market at shipyards park he came back with goat cheese choke cherry jam and annette Annette was an artist who had been selling her paintings at the market mark knew a fair bit about art and they hit it off well together it didn't take long before mark and annette were spending all their free time together summer weekends hiking up mountains so annette could sketch the view from the top and nights at Annette's studio apartment downtown. I was impressed by how quickly their relationship had blossomed. There is something about someone else's wonderful romance that always makes me feel, well, a bit jealous. It's not that there's anything wrong between Chuck and me. We have a strong and loving relationship, and we have a wonderful daughter, Alex. It's just that the thrill of the chase, starting out unsure and suddenly realizing with your head and with your heart that Yes, this is it. Well, well, it only happened to me once, and that's when I met Chuck. And it was fantastic. So I was really glad to see things work out so well for Mark and Annette. Chuck didn't share my enthusiasm. He found Mark just a bit too slick, but he couldn't explain why. Several days before Mark took possession of his house, he announced that his wife was arriving on the afternoon plane. There had been a showing of her paintings in Toronto, and she had stayed behind for that. It was through her interest in art that Mark had known so much about painting and had been able to impress Annette. We didn't know that Mark had a wife. My feelings of warm envy cooled instantly, and I guess my face must have betrayed my concern. You're wondering, what about Annette? Mark asked as he told us the news. Nah, don't worry about her. She didn't seem to lack experience in bed. I'm sure that before the summer is over, she'll find someone else to carry her paints up the mountains by day and screw her silly at night. Oh, and you won't mention her to my wife, of course. that just made me burn. I'm certainly glad that Mark would be moving out shortly. I turned away before I exploded, or told Mark what a bastard I thought he really was. And I wondered why I shouldn't mention Annette to Mark's wife anyway. Chuck just shrugged and said he knew all along that something hadn't been right, and I should just let things work themselves out without helping them along. Mark's wife, Islyn, was a quite charming woman, and I really felt sorry for her being married to a jerk like Mark. She had been part owner of a gallery in Toronto, and knew all sorts of famous people, politicians, hockey players, musicians and artists, and talked about them quite naturally, without sounding at all pretentious. I quite liked her, just as I had liked Annette. Chuck agreed with me. Despite all his other faults, Mark had excellent taste in women. The day that Aislinn arrived, Chuck and I had had an early supper because Chuck was going to a museum meeting downtown. Alex had gone off camping at Kusawa with a friend and her family. Mark and Aislinn sat on the back deck, finishing off a bottle of wine they had started over steaks on the barbecue. So I was alone in the house when the doorbell rang. It was Annette, looking for Mark. I couldn't very well let her into the house because she'd just follow me out on the deck and meet Aislinn. I cursed Mark under my breath for forcing me to be so impolite as I left Annette outside, saying that I would check to see if Mark was in. As I walked through the house toward the back deck, I had second thoughts. Maybe I should have let Annette in, just so she would find Mark and his wife together. I actually didn't need to bother. Just as I stepped out the back to tell Mark that he had a visitor, Annette came around the side of the house and hopped up onto the deck by the table where Mark and Islyn were sitting. I guess Annette must have had some idea of what was going on. Hi, she said cheerfully, standing over Islyn. I'm Annette, Mark's woman. Who are you? A cloud passed over Islin's face, but she recovered quickly. She pushed her chair back and stood up, facing Annette squarely. I'm Islyn, She said firmly, I'm Mark's wife. I'm glad we met, although I can't say I'm very pleased. Annette turned to Mark. I just came over to suggest we go back to my place for a wild evening, she said, with the tears just starting down her cheeks. But I see you're otherwise occupied, so the hell with you. She turned and marched bravely back around the side of the house. Mark sat immobile and watched her go. And a moment later, we heard Annette's car screech out of the driveway. When Aislinn turned and said, Well, there's probably no use me staying around here either, Mark leapt up. With great dignity, Aislinn walked into the house with her husband trailing after her. She seized her wheeled suitcase and shoulder bag, for she hadn't had the chance to unpack yet, and grabbed the keys to Mark's car. Mark followed her outside, asking her where she was going and what she thought she was doing. She ignored him, loaded her luggage into the car, climbed in and slammed the door. Then she calmly backed out into the street and drove off. Mark stood there with his mouth hanging open. Now what do I do, he demanded. Sorry, I said, this isn't something I have a lot of experience with. You're on your own for this one. Mark moved out two days later and into his own house giving us the address. He emailed us his new phone number, saying we should get together for supper sometime. That didn't seem like a very good idea to me. A month or two later, two official-looking envelopes for Mark arrived, delivered to our address. Chuck phoned Mark to say that since we were going up to the Canada Game Centre anyway that evening, we would be glad to drop off his mail. He said he'd be home, reported Chuck, but he didn't seem too certain that it was a good idea we'd drop by. Tough, I said. It turned out that Mark's house was in what we called the Smurf Village, a condo development of cute little detached two-story houses off Falcon. We found his house number, recognized his car outside, and rang the doorbell. Mark answered the door, but before he could say anything, Aislinn appeared and elbowed him out of the way. Oh, do come in and see our cozy little house, she said, throwing the door open wide. We stepped in. If we were surprised to see Aislinn, we were even more surprised to meet Annette in the living room. Aislinn and Annette were very hospitable, giving us the grand tour of their house. Mark tagged after us worriedly, not saying anything. The house had two bedrooms upstairs and an open office area overlooking the living room below. The office area and the smaller bedroom were full of frames, easels, art supplies and tables. The master bedroom was very nicely fixed up and very feminine, newly painted with swaths of pale silk hanging from the ceilings and walls all around the queen bed. "'This is our bedroom,' announced Annette and Islyn together beaming. I was caught off guard, but before I could even think, I blurted out, "'Oh, where does Mark sleep?' "'Mark?' asked Islin. "Oh, "'Oh, he sleeps on the sofa downstairs.' He is in the way sometimes, especially when we have our friends over. But he does pay the bills, so we let him stay. I glanced at Mark. He cringed and gave an unhappy frown. Annette and Aislinn became fixtures of the Whitehorse art scene and were chosen to paint the big new mural at the library. Chuck heard from someone in community services that Mark had lasted only a couple of months before moving back to Ontario. He hadn't kept in touch with anybody. Chuck tried emailing him, but the emails bounced. Things all work out in the end. Yes, some people get their just desserts. And some just get deserted. This has been a Timmet podcast in a series called On the Marge. Instrumental intro and exit are courtesy of Kate Weeks. If you would like more of these podcasts, check out the podcast website at timmit.ca podcasts. That's T-I-M-M-I-T dot C-A slash podcasts.